0: I'm Dr. Tiffany Norris. Welcome to Three Mile Radius, a podcast research project exploring organizations within a three-mile radius of Birmingham Southern College. Don't turn right. I first heard that phrase in July 2020, shortly after I took the job as library director at Birmingham Southern. My family had moved into a house on campus, and we were advised to go in the other direction for groceries, parks, activities, church, errands, allegedly to safer areas of town. If we had moved here 30 years ago, we would likely have gotten that same advice. But at that time, we would also have had the option of attending McCoy United Methodist Church if we had been willing to turn right. Dr. Lawton Higgs Sr. pastored at McCoy for nine years, from 1984 until the church closed in 1993. Dr. Higgs and I spent about an hour talking in the early spring of 2023. We discussed his years at McCoy, his own transformation as a self-described recovering racist, and what the future might look like for Birmingham Southern College. I started to produce this episode in the same format as the others, with edited quotes from Dr. Higgs interspersed with my own observations. However, I decided to do something different and just let most of our conversation play. For one thing, it lets you hear another way of producing a podcast, but it also lets you hear more of Dr. Higgs' voice and his perspective in context. So here's my conversation with Dr. Lawton Higgs, the last pastor of McCoy United Methodist Church. But yes, so you were you were telling me or starting to tell me about when you first came yeah, to Yeah, uh, the McCoy, day we moved was... into
1: the McCoy parsonage, I had an encounter with God. I'm a mystic and a prophet. <laughs> and, All right. I've uh, had many awesome encounters with God mm. and uh, God invited me to invite a black family to church at McCoy. I was coming down from the parsonage across the street to the College Hills Grocery, which is closed now, Mm -hmm. you know, it's right across the street there. Mm -hmm. You may have seen that building there. Yes. I don't know if anything's in it now or not. To get something, Nancy wanted me to get something from from the store for us. Uh, I don't remember what that was, but I got uh, interrupted in the turn lane uh, crossing the street. And uh, this uh, couple or family was moving in. They were moving into the apartments. I think they've been torn down now that were across from the church. And, uh, uh, God uh, asked me to invite them to church. Well, I was paralyzed (laughs) because of all of our uh, racial history and racial fears. And, uh, I was just paralyzed there in the turn lane for about, uh, I don't know how long. Finally, God said to me, Lawton, if you can't invite those folks to church, I can't use you here in Birmingham. You've got to go back across the street and pack up and leave. And so I reluctantly invited them to church. <laughs> I was too ashamed to leave, you know. And, of course, they knew my reluctance. People can read all of that very clearly. Mm. And they didn't come to church. But it was the beginning of my journey as a recovering racist.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, I was at McCoy for eight years from 84, or nine years, 84 to 93. Okay. And, uh, and... 1993 in Birmingham, all of the large historic neighborhood congregations, probably six or eight of them closed
2: Mm -hmm. that year.
1: And uh, including the McCoy Church closed in 1993. So uh, the pastors of those congregations, plus the lay leadership, plus the connectional district and conference leadership of the and church started having these meetings what are we going to do with all this uh, property and uh, they decided that since the ch- city of birmingham was turning black it was going to disappear so we got to get the hell out of here
2: mm.
1: <laughs> and uh, so they sold all the property huh and uh, the more mccoy church is sold to the city of birmingham Mm. At that time, the uh, property there. Uh-huh. And uh but I, I continued to hold out uh, the witness that there needed to be at least one intentionally racially inclusive United Methodist Church in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And um and I was a very lone voice in that uh, mm. in that effort. Uh, you know, race is still a defining issue of our city. Yes and uh, our state and our nation, actually. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And there's been a huge resurgence of that since in the last 30 years. It was more, (laughs) I guess, more uh, open then than it may be now. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, so uh, after all of the meetings, uh, at each meeting, uh, you know, I would hold up that vision, and finally, uh, they <laughs> said, uh, "Lawton, would you would you do that?" Mm-hmm. Well, I was uh, devastated by the invitation. <laughs> I just spent nine years of my life, poured every ounce of the spiritual and physical <laughs> capacity I had to try to build a, such a institution at McCoy and had failed. And, uh, so I told them I'd pray about it and see what they thought. And all, all of this applies to what you're talking about.
0: Oh, sure. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm interested.
1: <laughs> and, uh, how that relates to the college and the community and to the McCoy church. But anyway, we, uh, I decided that if I could find one person in the city of Birmingham that would support me doing that, I would accept that challenge. Find one, just Mm -hmm. one person. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find a single United Methodist pastor, or a single district superintendent, or anyone. Mm -hmm. I talked to a lot of folks. Mm And finally, at the First United Methodist Church downtown, uh, we were at a meeting there, some kind of gathering for the city, and uh, Ms. Sarah Price, this beautiful, black, compassionate, powerful woman who was direct service leader at Greater Birmingham Ministries, they have long been, since the Civil Rights Movement, uh, ecumenical and interfaith uh, agency that does justice and direct service in Birmingham.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, I told Sarah I'd like to talk to her after. We finished the meeting, and so I asked her, and she said, Yes, Lawton, God is calling you to do that. You do that. So that's the story.
0: So this Uh, was after McCoy had closed. So So I was
1: appointed to begin... Uh, intentionally racially inclusive United Methodist Church in Birmingham in 1993.
0: Okay. Uh And you went on to found...
1: Church Church of the the Reconciler. Church of the uh, the
0: Reconciler. Okay. Which was
1: a shut down. It's no longer a church. It's Mm -hmm. a mission... And we formed a house of prayer for all people, and now it's a house of prayer that serves the homeless. <laughs> a house that serves the hom- and ministry to the homeless. Okay. So they, it's a very, very different vision mm-hmm. from what we've done. Well, so oh, go ahead. Well, part of that, uh, you know, I had, uh, I've had some awesome spiritual memories of McCoy uh, and the college. Mm -hmm. The carol service Mm. was still being held at McCoy Mm -hmm. for those nine years. Okay. And after McCoy closed, maybe even before McCoy closed, I'm not sure, it was moved to Canterbury.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And it's done at Canterbury now yes. instead of at McCoy. Mm. But um, those, uh, Hugh Thomas, have you? I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard of Hugh Thomas, <laughs> magnificent choral director and leader, and program producer. But I had the privilege of uh, reading the lessons for that Lessons in Carol service. Mm-hmm. And I guess we did it. Um, five or six times each year and then did it for seven or eight years.
2: Mm.
1: And of course, all of those classical Christmas carols focus on the gospel of freedom and liberation and justice mm-hmm. because it's about the birth of the Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, all of the gospel and Old Testament readings are about the same thing so this uh, you know i was i was raised in Bauxite, arkansas and moved to oh. alabama in 1955 when i was 15 and oh. so i was raised in a little mining town church and you know small city churches and had not ever encountered such a awesome mm. Expressions of the Christian faith that are presented in uh, music and word in that uh, service of lessons and carols. Mm-hmm. And so I was, uh, you know, they were deeply uh, ingrained in my heart and mind for those years in doing that.
0: Well, when you first got there, you mentioned, you know, the Carol's service. And as I was reading through the history of McCoy, you know, there was a lot of overlap with the college um, in the very beginning years of the church and the early years of the college. Were there other connections at that (laughs) point? You know,
1: when we closed the church, we Mm -hmm. opened the cornerstone Mm -hmm. and that uh, container Of the materials and the cornerstone should have been in the archives.
2: Oh,
0: okay.
1: So you can look for it there. But in that container
0: Hmm.
1: was a brochure. Uh huh. And uh, the purpose for starting or build starting and building the McCoy United Methodist the Methodist Church then was so there would be a somewhat respectable church for the college. Mm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Somewhat respectable.
1: (laughs) Somewhat respectable church for the college okay and uh at the time they even uh did a payroll deduction oh the faculty to pay for it you know uh-huh. it was built in uh, right before the great depression
0: mm-hmm. yes
1: and there was some real struggles to uh, get it uh to keep meeting uh, mm. they had to get it going so that's uh and of course it's uh you know, that's a uh, uh, that's a quite different vision than the one the architect put on the front there at the steps. Mm-hmm. You, no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm. <laughs> so those those uh, that tension is, uh, uh, you know, very active in our <laughs>
2: mm.
1: <laughs> our current cultural scene to be a respectable Christian and to build on the foundation of Christ, they're often in uh, considerable tension.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, and I I couldn't help but notice, too, you know, when I started this this research project, the college was having financial difficulties. I don't think I realized quite how close to closure it, it was, you know, the possibility of it. But then as I've been reading through the history of the church, it was hard not to think of, of parallels, you know. And there at the end, the church had it looked mm-hmm. like four options and one of those was discontinuing. Um, and so, I, yeah, I was just kind of curious on your perspective of the, the college's current situation, you know, its location, declining enrollment, financial struggles, you know, kind of mirrored the churches a little bit and, and just wondered about your perspective on that.
1: Well, uh, it takes a huge amount of money to run a church with the facility of the magnitude of the McCoy building.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, you know, you the <laughs> it took a huge amount of money to build it and it takes a huge amount of money to maintain it, to mm. do the utilities and upkeep and maintenance yeah. of such a facility. But there were some awesome people connected with the college, Dr. Louise Branscombe, Mm. Are you familiar with her?
0: Uh, I don't know that I am. No, I, yeah, I yeah. the name stands out, but I don't know that I'm familiar yeah. with her.
1: Well, she was, um, you know, one of the top leaders, female leaders, in the United Methodist Women. And mm. uh, well, Christian Service Guild, wasn't that it, WSCS, employed women. Mm. And the Methodist women prior to that, um, my wife was, you know, a conference officer, vice president, and mm-hmm. president of many congregations United Methodist women, and very powerful leader, <laughs> awesome. And uh, but Louise Branscomb was connected with the National Board of that organization, and was very influential in women's rights. Mm-hmm. She was a gynecologist. Mm-hmm and uh, was in the leadership of the United Methodist Church's position on uh, abortion, supporting that, and mm-hmm. that Roe versus Wade getting mm-hmm. passed.
2: Okay,
0: interesting.
1: And very powerful, and she was a uh, very active participant in the McCoy United Methodist Church. It was mm-hmm. a great privilege of mine to be her pastor. Mm-hmm. And her O.C. Weaver, philosopher, teacher, fellow. I don't think so. <laughs> theology <some> <laughs> teacher. At, uh, <laughs> he was. He and his wife were members of the McCoy Church, mm-hmm. and awesome human beings. Mm. And there were a, a core of them. They were the people who stayed at McCoy during the white flight transition from Birmingham in the eight, 70s and 80s
2: mm-hmm.
1: were probably the cream of the crop of white liberal Christians in Birmingham Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and who were committed to keeping the church and keeping the church as witness uh, Mm -hmm. to address uh, racial issues and social justice issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife, Nancy, and I taught in... uh, schools of Christian mission all over the country uh, in conference schools and regional schools and uh, and local church schools teaching you know, in the United Methodist Women's Position, you know, they developed the Charter for Racial Justice Policies. Are you familiar oh, with that?
0: No, I'm not. So I I didn't grow up in the Methodist Church and, you know, so it's...
1: Okay. Yeah, so I'm still learning. They were on the cutting edge of the racial justice and mm. social justice... Okay. ...maintaining those principles. And that was what was taught in their schools of Christian mission mm. around the country. And Nancy and I taught and led in those schools... So. And so, and the people at McCoy that were nurtured in that kind of uh, position of the church mm-hmm. and wanted to continue it, and so we, uh, but we discovered as the college is discovering now, you can't run it without money, <laughs> and uh, so we met with the uh, a conference. The chair of the conference, United Methodist Foundation, and he and we had conversations with him, and he said, "If you're going to be, if you're going to be able to raise money to strengthen and contain the life of the church, you got to know who you are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You got to know what your identity is and what your commitments are, mm. and, uh, and what you're going to do." And so uh, we, uh, the, the congregation uh, then made it possible for me to do a doctor of ministry program.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To uh, to focus on that the future of a declining urban congregation is mm-hmm. the title of the uh, and my doctor of ministry project uh, is in the Drew Library, Drew University Library, mm-hmm. and uh, those four options that you read that came out of those files and things. Right, uh, were the result of that uh, study.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. so can you speak a little as to why the church chose? To close out of those four options? Was it primarily financial? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was not uh. financial. Mm. Uh. Uh. Actually, they didn't choose to close. Mm. That was not the choice. The uh. choice was to build a social justice congregation. Oh. Was the congregation's overwhelming choice.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so we went about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, But uh, the decision, you know, I mentioned to you that meeting that mm-hmm. we had. Uh, the decision was made to sell the church property hmm. to the city of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. The city of Birmingham still owns it.
0: Okay. I didn't realize that.
1: It's the city of Birmingham. Okay. Property. Hmm. And then to invest the proceeds of the church in suburban congregations.
0: Ah.
2: Hmm.
1: So when that decision was made, the money was pulled out that was supporting our work there Mm -hmm. and that vision and it made it impossible for us to want to, <laughs> impossible to carry the vision forward. Mm-hmm. And we also, uh, we got a grant from the Fund for Theological Education out of New York City. Mm. They've changed their name now. They're not mm-hmm. the Fund for Theological Education. And I can't remember what their name is now, But, uh, but they, anyway, they funded Projects to invest, investigate the future mm-hmm. of the church and mm-hmm. uh, ministry in the, those kind of settings. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we retained uh, Dr. Luther Smith out of Canler. Are you familiar with him?
0: Okay, no.
1: Anyway, he's the Howard Thurman specialist. Okay. you're familiar with Howard Thurman, uh-huh. who was one of the mentors and uh, uh, inspiration leaders for Dr. King and his work. Okay. Uh, we did that uh, and we went over to meet with him to get him to help us what we, had, you know, we had uh, of uh, the McCoy Center for Urban Redemption. Are mm-hmm. you familiar with that name?
0: Not that one. It's- is it still in the same, or was it the well, building before it's now the the adult center? Well, system? it was
1: it was a part of the ministry of uh, the McCoy Church to build mm-hmm. an institution that would train pastors and lay people
2: mm.
1: in racially inclusive social justice ministry for the city of Birmingham. Okay. And uh, we wanted to start a uh, outpost seminary. That's Mm -hmm. one reason why we went to Candler. Uh But, you know, all kind of folks are going to Memphis Theological Seminary Mm -hmm. (laughs) or Sanford or driving to Candler and Mm -hmm. serving churches in North Alabama. There's a huge body of students. And we wanted to use the college's faculty that teach Bible and, introductory theology to mm-hmm. do the first year of the seminary teaching and then bring professors over from Candler hmm. to do the second and third year mm-hmm. and to do that in the facility of the McCoy Church.
0: Ah, yeah.
1: And of course that that would have been a, a you know, a stream of a huge increase in student population mm-hmm. at the college right but uh, luther smith was not the right person for that task and we it didn't work out with him he, he wanted us to change the name
2: mm.
1: <laughs> and of course at that time i didn't know why he wanted you know i i was very i'm and still am you know very immature about the history of uh, Reconstruction and race and (laughs)
2: Ah.
1: all that's going on. Mm. But here we were over there. He was a black theology professor with expertise in Howard Thurman. Mm -hmm. And here we were, a bunch of old white folks coming out of Birmingham, wanted Mm. to start a center for urban redemption. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with the white southern redeemers or not. Are
0: you? No, I don't think I am
1: well you need to be yeah I feel
0: like there I feel like I've got some homework to do after this talk <laughs>
1: well uh they were the the folks after the Civil War who created the black laws of Jim Crow
0: oh okay all right
1: and he was and I found that out by reading uh, dr King's speech at the end of the Selman of Montgomery remarks mm-hmm. that he made on the Montgomery Capitol.
2: Yes. Yeah,
1: he he was always referring to C. Van Woodard,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who was a historian, and C. Van Woodard has this book, "A Strange History of Jim Crow,"
2: mm.
1: and um, Doctor King was always quoting C. Van Woodard in his speech, and I mm. never read that book, and I read it, when I, and when I read the book then, this was after McCoy had closed while I was at uh, Reconciler, in the process of starting Reconciler when I was reading, doing all this reading, but uh, C. Van Woodard introduced me to the white Southern Redeemer, mm. and they're the ones who changed the Christian word, redeem, from redeem from sin and injustice, and poverty and hatred, to redeem the church from Hmm. the presence and influence of black people Hmm. and created all the black laws and got Jim Crow legislation approved in all the southern states that Dr. King was having to battle against. And so here I was, an old white man with a group of old white folks because we didn't have any. Of black folks in the leadership of the church we had one one or two that participated
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and uh, so Luther Smith didn't explain to me what, what all that was about but those conflicts in Mm -hmm. language and confusion, we just never got on the same page and were never able to get beyond all of that. and
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So that never did develop any further than that.
2: Mm.
1: When the decision was made to sell the property and use the money for investing in the suburbs was when resources and interest were Mm -hmm. pulled away from Mm -hmm. us, which resulted in our inability to continue to work on that division. Of course, I I, I was not uh, mature enough or skilled enough to really build a relationship to get all of that done. I mean, it was so much bigger than me, and it still is. Hmm. <laughs> I can't catch up to it. But uh, but anyway, that's uh, the choice was to build a social justice church. Okay. Of course, I... And I don't know that the college was really, we had some other really wonderful experiences with the college when mm-hmm. we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started an after-school program. Mm.
0: Eileen
1: Moore, Dr. Eileen Moore, huh. who is a professor of education okay. at the college, mm-hmm. worked with she was active in worship at the McCoy Church.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we started an after-school program. Mm. And she organized uh, her education students to be tutors. And mm-hmm. we recruited uh, students from the local elementary school. We mm-hmm. sent out one little notice and had about 50 or 60 kids show
0: up. Wow. <laughs> and,
1: so, and it was a very thriving and, and wonderful uh, program
2: huh. that
1: was done by the college as a commitment to the community
2: mm-hmm.
1: that Dr. Moore uh organized in the college and brought the students they would uh, the kids would come to the mccoy church mm-hmm. and to our fellowship hall yeah. and the students would come from a college across the street and we would do the tutoring huh for the kids yeah and it was a, a very effective and wonderful program
0: i could see that yeah
1: and then I, we also started uh, later on i worked a lot with the uh, community Education Department of the City of Birmingham Mm -hmm. Public Education. And uh, we started what we called a Parker Companion Program. Mm -hmm. And this was in uh, the late 80s or or 1990. Mm -hmm. We would match up Parker High School students, which Mm -hmm. are just down the road, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, from us with uh, Birmingham Southern College students. Ah. And uh, they would meet and get to know one another and, mm-hmm. you know, share uh, food together and, and get to know one another at the church. Mm-hmm. And then they would also go together uh, to explore the college.
0: Oh, huh. Together
1: to learn about what the college was like and mm-hmm. what college life was like as oh. a means of helping to recruit uh, black students were mm-hmm. Birmingham Southern College. Right. And of course, that that, that was a wonderful program too. Hmm. Also, Dr. Neil Birdie uh, asked me uh, to help them get started. I was uh, serving as the uh, uh, director of the United Methodist Volunteers and Mission mm-hmm. at the time where we identified Mission projects overseas and hmm. recruited teams from the churches in the North Alabama Conference to go and help support and work on those projects.
2: Hmm.
1: And uh, Dr. Birdie asked me to uh, if I would do one for them and include uh, the the chaplain there and his son uh, Mark Birdie, and uh, hmm. he was going to go too, but something came up and he couldn't go so that they could learn the ins and outs of what it took to do an overseas mission project to get mm. the current, you know, mission, act, mm. uh, you know, the overseas trip right. that they do yes. Now, uh, get the it started. The E-term
0: primarily, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Wow. And uh,
1: we organized a trip to uh, the Dominican Republic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I can't, I don't know why I can't call the name of the chaplain, tall, thin guy. Uh, mm. Oh, what is he I name?
0: know the current one, but... Yeah, there
1: he's, he's been retired a good time. Do you remember, Nancy, what is the <laughs> name there? I can't remember right now. But anyway, he went with us, and uh, uh, Dr. Birdie couldn't go, but Mark went with us. Mm-hmm. And out of that, they began to shape their uh, overseas uh, trips. that mm. they started take, taking... <clears throat> <clears throat> So that those were that was an awesome thing and uh, then of course another another interesting thing uh, one of the the parsonage for the McCoy church was torn down, mm. which is just south of the building now where mm. the old adult daycare and and okay. also we started the old adult daycare when mm-hmm. I was there.
0: Oh okay Nell Krieger.
1: Do you know Nell Krieger? She's no, a, I
0: don't.
1: United Methodist deaconess and okay. worked in older adult ministries. Uh-huh. And uh, she and I started the older adult daycare there at the McCoy Church. Uh-huh. When I was well,
0: that seems there. to be thriving because I talked with them first. And it, you yeah. know, it was a good <laughs> interview, but I, I really wanted to know more about the history of the church. And and yeah. Guy Hubbs had suggested I talk with you, but it seems to be doing very well. You know, it's kind of coming back after the pandemic. But Right. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: an immense need. Mm-hmm. huge yes. need for older adult care for when people are working or mm-hmm. kind other of things. Yeah, it's a yes. Wonderful program. Judy Poole was the director for a long time after Nell Russell left, left. She was a United Methodist deaconess. Mm. She's retired. She lives in Pleasant Grove here.
2: Okay.
1: She's uh, an awesome human being. Mm. So, but... The parsonage that was next door to the church, and on the other side of that was the district parsonage for the Birmingham district years ago. Mm-hmm. It's all divided up now in South Central and all these kind of things. Oh, okay. D- names are changed, but mm-hmm. in those years, that was the parsonage for the superintendent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the Birmingham East District gave it to the uh, college
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they didn't need it anymore. Oh, okay. And the college started renting it to faculty Oh. Huh. for some time mm-hmm. until it got to the condition that it was unrentable.
0: Oh, dear. Mm.
1: <laughs> and uh, it sat unoccupied uh, for a long time. And then the college gave it back to the district. Huh, and then district gave it to McCoy Church.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't quite in the condition. <laughs> it wasn't.
1: Yes. No, it wasn't usable at all. Uh, but anyway, and during those times, uh, Mildred Taylor, uh, who was a United Methodist missionary to Zimbabwe and Botswana mm-hmm. in Africa for mm-hmm. 40 years, she retired and she was living in a um, an apartment that the church was providing for her retirement housing in Atlanta
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she didn't have anything to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and of course Nancy and I been involved with the global mission and united methodist women and their mission outreach we were, were rece- received a lot of newsletters from different missionaries and other people, we Mm -hmm. were on her mailing list and we got this newsletter from her and she was just bemoaning Mm -hmm. how awful it was. She couldn't be in ministry with her beautiful African (laughs) people. And Mm -hmm. she didn't have anything to do. And Mm -hmm. she was just in terrible condition Mm -hmm. uh, emotionally and spiritually there Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. And uh, so it dawned on me that I could invite her (laughs) to Birmingham mm-hmm. and we could get her former supporting churches across the North Alabama conference to see if they would donate the money to renovate the house
0: oh huh <laughs> so mm-hmm. she
1: would she could come work with us at McCoy to help us build mm-hmm. an inclusive interracial congregation because her life was with ministry with mm-hmm. african people oh and so, she was thrilled to death. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. And uh, said that she would love to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, we went to work and we got the money raised and we got it fixed up and she moved in. And
0: Wow. It was
1: uh, wonderful there. Yeah.
0: Oh, and when was that? Was that in the, in the 80s, late 80s?
1: Oh, uh, it was probably in the late 80s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, she was... And uh, she helped us uh, relate to and bring some uh, black membership into the McCoy Church at hmm. that time. Uh, Ms. Vinnie Polk was one of those people who was an awesome person. Hmm. So, the, of course, um, you know, race was then the overarching issue between McCoy and the college. Mm. We were outside the gate.
0: Ah, yes.
1: And the college wouldn't open the gate (laughs) Mm. for us to have traffic for church and other yes. activities and things, huh? And uh, I don't know whether you've heard the terminology "don't turn right."
0: Yes, which is still in use. Still in use, I will say. Still in use. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, it was uh, very much in use
0: mm.
1: when I was there.
0: And of course, to get to McCoy, you, you have, have to turn, to turn right. right. Yeah. Mm.
1: And a uh, massive racial fear uh, mm. and. And, of course, uh, so, uh, we we at uh, McCoy, you know, the the old school building in College Hills right over by Legion Field, it's just north yes. of Legion Field yes. there, mm-hmm. was being used at one time for the College Hills Neighborhood Association mm-hmm. to meet. And mm-hmm. I was very active in the College Hills Neighborhood Association. Okay. The college was not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's a a challenge. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and uh, somehow or another, they couldn't continue to meet in that building. It was gonna be renovated or Mm -hmm. used for some other purpose. I don't know what the history was then, but anyway, I invited them to come to McCoy. And so Mm -hmm. we started doing them. And there are some of the most beautiful human beings in the College Hill neighborhood. Yeah. Awesome human being, Mm. man. I mean, unbelievable! The leadership and participation in that neighborhood association
2: mm-hmm.
1: was wonderful, mm. and of course the the is Trinity Baptist Church. Elijah Jarrett was pastor there, and a good friend of mine. Mm. He in the on, down on Greymont, Trinity okay. Baptist
2: Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh
0: yes, the it's close to Legion Field as well, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yes.
1: And uh, it's awesome folks. Mm. Dr. King is pastor there now, a different King than mm-hmm. Martin's family. But they're really awesome human beings. But anyway, that the fence, you know the origin of the fence.
0: Yes, yes.
1: The, there was some violence, I think. Mm hmm. I don't know the details. I can't recall it right now, <clears throat> but but anyway, that created a, and that was always a being outside the fence always created a, you know a gulf, a barrier between the mm-hmm. church and the college. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my my daughter. Went to Birmingham Southern. She didn't finish there. She finished mm-hmm. school at uh, University of Alabama mm-hmm. and at uh, got her master's at Troy mm-hmm. in uh, Dothan. But she uh, said, "Then yeah, the college wouldn't open that gate for me to go to school up there from our house, which we live right
0: oh right down the way. Uh huh. Yeah. Huh.
1: So you know that's um." So race is still the issue
0: mm-hmm.
1: of why the college is having financial trouble now.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: And of course, all these um, beautiful stories that come, that are being posted on Facebook about the college and mm-hmm. come out of the white community
2: mm-hmm.
1: and not about relationships uh, to the black community. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's really not the students so much as it is the parents and the culture. Mm. The parents are scared to death.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Because they've never had the awesome, (laughs) never had the dividing wall of hostility broken in their heart. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it makes it a real difficult for a college to recruit students. (laughs) And it's gonna be difficult for the college Uh, It's, uh, you know, it's amazing to me that, you know, Alabama is still hard line, Mm. hard majority right wing, Mm. (laughs) you know, white Southern redeemers. Yes. And the political power structure Mm. in Alabama. And so (laughs) to get support from the city of Birmingham and Jefferson County. And not all of the Jefferson County delegation, but the black <laughs> You're going to have to be committed to racial justice, but to be committed to racial justice is going to alienate the college from the state legislature. But uh, I, I, I know without a doubt that the future of Birmingham is civil rights and human rights. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the college has the courage
0: To be part of that?
1: No, to or lead that. To lead. Nobody's mm-hmm. leading it now. The world, <laughs> the world would beat a path to this city if somebody would lead that.
2: Hmm.
1: Academically mm-hmm. and socially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. I mean, folks would come from all over the world and all over this country mm. to study what's took place in this city the future is justice and inclusion and mm-hmm. meeting the needs of the marginalized and dispossessed yeah
0: well, i'm very curious how it will turn out but you've given me quite a lot to think about today and I... <laughs> well
1: I, I, I it will take a Maybe God will surprise us.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I, I would hope God would surprise us. And somebody would say, yeah, we need to do such a crazy thing.
0: There is a lot of history between McCoy United Methodist Church and Birmingham Southern College. If you'd like to read more about the connections between the two, I'll put links in the show notes to the United Methodist Archives at BSC and to a book about McCoy. But there is one major difference. After coming to the brink of closure in the spring of 2023, after this recording, members of the Board of Trustees at BSC voted to stay open. And on a personal note, my family did turn right many times over the last three years. We turned right for errands, parties, a couple of emergency room trips, many coffee runs, and... my children to attend school at Minor Elementary in the Birmingham City School System. And every time we turned right, we were always glad we did. I'm Tiffany Norris. Thanks for listening to Three Mile Radius.